Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. This morning I want to speak on faith and favor. As we jump in in number six, there are some characters throughout the Bible, personalities and um, principles that we're going to look at as we look at what favor looks like. We're going to see how God is running after you. We sang that, didn't we? We're going to look at what a life of favor looks like and some people who needed to run away from that and some people where God made them stand out in favor that it ended them up in a black hole, but they got out. Number six, you'll have seen this. There was a season a few years ago where you, where you probably will have sung this song. We've sung, I don't know if we sung it in church today. I don't know if we're singing it later. Anyway, um, we have, we've seen on these screens, you know, there was tiny little choirs through that season where we were all in our own homes and they sang this song over and over. It's from Numbers 6.22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons. Speak to revival fires and each person there today saying, you shall bless the people of Israel. You'll say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And then it says, so shall they put my name upon the people and I will bless them. I'm so encouraged by this prayer in number six because this to me speaks about the favor of the Lord this to me speaks about the presence of the Lord, blessing us, keeping us, making his face shines up, shine upon us. Maybe you're there right now or maybe you're desiring that you step into that favor of the Lord. So yes, I've told you that this is a message of favor, that God's favor prepares a way for you. We're going to learn how to activate favor and pray with favor and we're going to see that favor looks like something. You might even think favor looks like someone. You know, we can say and use that word, would you do me a favor? What is it usually that we'd be asking someone for? I've already asked Miriam for a favor this morning. Hey, Miriam, where are you, love? I can't see you now. Oh, there she is. I said, hey, Miriam, could you do me a favor? We use that word a lot, don't we? It wasn't that I needed her to, to, to pray for me. I didn't need anything else. I, I just needed her to be ready to give some things away to people. Maybe you've been asked a favor, or maybe you're owed a favor. You know, with God, he always comes good on his promises. So you're owed nothing from him. He gave everything freely. There's another phrase we use now and then, isn't there? Who's the favorite? Am I the favorite? Are you the favorite? I don't know if my sister's in the room. I've seen her, her daughter, my niece is here. Isn't that a thing you'd have with siblings? Who's the favorite then? Maybe with your own children. Who's the favorite? They're asking, but do you really love us all equally? Oh, yes. <laughs> have you ever wanted to know, am I really 
the favorite. So as we go through these stories, I just want to bring you on this journey that wherever you are at, there is favor for you. However long you've been a Christian, there's still more favor for you. Maybe today is a day where you say, God, I want my life to be back on track. Oh, today is the day that the Lord will do that for you. In John 1.16, it says, For out of his fullness we've received and we've all had a share. We've been supplied with grace upon grace, which looks like favor upon favor. I'm just so thankful that God is doing that today. And he is pouring out his favor and his abundance into lives. I've got three people from the Bible that I want to share with you with. I don't usually come up with like trendy titles and such, but as I was reviewing my message with Ryan, he's like, you know, all those three characters have got something the same. And I'm like, yes, they've all experienced the favor of God. That's why I chose them. He's like, they also all start with a J. So here we go. This isn't easy to remember, but you can put your name in these places because there'll be an element of each one or maybe one's going to stand out more to you. So join me as we go through the Bible, as we spend time lingering on these stories, allowing Holy Spirit to reveal all that he can to bring you into a fresh place of favor. We're going to begin with Joseph. Did you see that coming? Did you see him as someone who had something that stands out? In Genesis 39, although that's not his beginning, in Genesis 39, where's that? Those of you who know, know I love a poster. Do worry that I might have gone a bit over the top for today's message. <laughs> it's, I didn't want to lose my places, but now I guess it's overkill, isn't it? Genesis 39. Favor looks like something. It's a favor that stands out, isn't it? I love the story of Joseph, because there he is. He's got 10 big brothers, or he, I don't know where he falls in the line. There's 10. There's 10 siblings. Where's my big families at? Where's my big... Yes, yes, yes. 10 children in the family. And there's this one. There's always one. Where the favor stands out. So, for Joseph, he'd found favor in his dad's eyes. He hadn't been given a normal coat. Oh no, he'd been given a, what do they say the, the theater puts on? The multicolored, technicolored dream coat. Favor looks like something. For Joseph, he couldn't help keep his dreams inside. Where's my dreamers at? I love it when you send us your dreams. He couldn't keep the dreams to himself. He needed to tell his brothers, you know, sometimes there's wisdom in holding back, but he didn't have any of that at that time. He's like, brothers, you're all going to be bowing down to me. How do you know that, brother? Well, I saw all the corn and it was bowing and you're all the corn. So here I am. Okay, okay, carries on. You can see how the, the rivalry is going to, well, just cause a lot of issues in his life. He keeps dreaming. He sees about the calves and the fatted calves. He sees into the future without thoroughly understanding what's happening. And yet, he causes some tensions. He becomes a brother despised. There's something about Joseph. 
However, even within this, even within the plot to, uh, they wanted to murder the brother, but instead they chose to put him inside of a pit, sell him, sell him for a, a amount of money, and then he ends up right where God intended. Whatever has been turned against you up till now, I believe there is a freedom today. There is a freedom that the Lord, as he draws near, that what has been meant for evil will turn to be for what God is creating for good. I believe that the favor that has stood out upon Joseph, we can learn a big lesson in our lives today. Because he could have chosen to have lived a life less ordinary. He could have chosen to be cloaked well, not in the multicolors. He could have said, no, dad, I reject the blessing of that beautiful garment. I'll take a, a drab or a brown colored one. I'll take something that doesn't match. I'll take something that doesn't stand out. Instead, he accepted the, round, the wraparound garment, what the Lord had made for him. If I was up here today wearing my smallest daughter's clothes and shoes, you'd notice that something didn't fit. I'd notice, I'd feel very awkward. <laughs> you know, when you're in situations where you feel like you don't fit, and yet you keep going because you know this is what God has called you to, it's what God has called you to, it's what God has called you to, and you continue to press in against what should or could or anything else, and you see the promises of God in your circumstances come about you find a favor that fits. When we get stuck in situations, we can come to some places, we can come up against rivalry, we can come up against a spiritual battle, we can try and pull off the favor of the Lord. We can try and say, Lord, I don't want to stand out anymore. In our life group the other night, some of our friends were talking about favor that makes you stand out. And favor can mean that you don't get away with what you thought you could. And that sounded like the glorious discipline of the Lord. I know discipline. It's not an easy word. I know. But he disciplines who he loves. Are you loved? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. So here was Joseph living his life less ordinary. He ended up choosing to say yes to that cloak. Even though it caused so much tension, even though he was pushed away, even though he ended up in, um, in Potiphar's and then he ended up in jail, then he ended up as a dreamer and an interpreter to Pharaoh. From a pit to a palace. Friends, whatever pit you feel that you are in, I believe that the promise of God, the nearness of Christ today is what's going to transform your situation. Because you could be so blinded by the now that you don't see the light that God is shining ahead it's the blinding light or is it the illuminating light that the Lord has? Over and over throughout Genesis uh, 39 to almost 50, we see those family dynamics are tense. And yet, as we track this story, 
God set Joseph in a place, in a position to ensure that there was enough for the years of famine. Joseph had to deal with his bitter roots, his judgments against his family. What do I mean by bitter roots? Anna, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you. You know, it's a bit like that word we had, let go of your offenses. You know, when you start to, I don't know, get a bit annoyed about something. Can't just be me feeling a bit annoyed about something. Maybe it's, I don't know, when you go to the shops and you've got your favourite parking spot. I know, I know. Some of us are like that, aren't we? It's just easier to drop the trolley back. Maybe it's somebody whose attitude... Oh, is it just literally is me who has a favourite car parking space? Oh, fun! <laughs> Maybe there's somebody who... Time after time, you said, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. But God, there's still this irritation. That's a bitter root. Because it starts there and it grows. You've heard us talk so much about let the fruit of your life be goodness, be righteousness, be the fruits like in Galatians 5. But alternatively, we can let the roots or the shoots, the bitter root judgments crop up in our life. Then we start dealing with anger, resentment, pain, trauma. And God says, even today, deal with those things. We've heard a worship song so many times. God's um, goodness is running after us. And even now, if there's somebody's, um, an image of somebody who's come into your mind or a conversation you've had with somebody over the past week or month, you can bring that to the Lord. Don't let that judgment grow any further in your heart. Don't let it become something that stops you from saying yes to what God has for you next. So what we see with Joseph is that big journey. And I can imagine for him, and I'm sure you will have also had this thought, how did I end up here? You know, when you've started pursuing what God has asked of you and then there's a tribulation or there's some kind of tension or there's some kind of something. Favor looks like something and it also looks like us dealing with the attitudes and the aspects of our heart and our minds so that we can be ready and available for all that God has next. You know, when favor is cloaks us like God, uh, well, it was Joseph's father, Jacob, but it was through God, it was God's plan, to cloak him with a favor mantle. God too overshadows us. He, you'll see that when we look at Jesus, he was overshadowed by the Most High as a babe in his mother's womb. So, we can look back and we can say, God saw us in our unsaved condition. But also, we can say, God sees us today, knowing, although he's forgotten, everything we've ever done. And he still sees and loves. He's chosen not to hold on to any of our transgressions, any of our sins. But what God has really been showing me is sometimes we can come to people or people in our family that's where a lot of this gets worked out, isn't it? And we can come to them, and instead of seeing them 
the way they are today, full of love, a new mercy morning, all of these good things, we can hold on to all of the stuff that we haven't dealt with. So are we seeing them in the condition that God sees them? No, because he removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. But if we're looking at the ones we love, bringing all of that onto them, we're not seeing them the way God sees them. This is a real message that God's been doing in my life. So often I've held, what did you call them? The ghosts of the past. We've held unforgiveness and we brought it into today. And then we wake up or we have a thought and, ugh. No one wants to be around that. No one wants to be around me when I'm like that. Don't be thinking that there's anything more, more holy and special about dealing with our attitudes of our hearts. God invites us all to deal with our attitudes of our hearts, morning by morning. So we can look back at our lives, but God sees you today, not with all the wrong you've ever done, but free and forgiven in his sight. You know, the Bible does this. So we started here in Genesis 39, and then we can track all the way through to Acts chapter 7. And this is where, I know it's Paul writing Acts, but for me it looks like this is God looking back, and you can find this many times throughout scripture. God's looking back and he's retelling the story of what happened with Joseph. It says here in Acts 7, The patriarchs, Jacob's sons, were boiling with envy and hatred and anger when they sold Joseph into slavery. But God was with him. Verse 10. And God delivered him from all his distressing afflictions and won him goodwill and favor and wisdom and understanding in the sight of Pharaoh. He was the king of Egypt who made him the governor over Egypt and all his house. And when there came a famine, there was great distress. The forefathers could find no food for the cattle or vegetables or sustenance for their households. But God, what is the circumstance that you've been placed in? That God is raising you up as a deliverer. He is bringing you to a place of favor so that you can deliver others. I felt the word word for this is wait for the win. It's not over yet. Whatever difficult situation you are in, wait for God to win the war on your battle. Wait for him to come through for you. Because in the very end of Genesis, Genesis 50, and this is a word for some of you in this room. It says, my my lights, here we go. It says, as for you, talking about Joseph, talking about each one of you this morning. As for you, it was meant for evil against me, but God meant it for good Bring it about that many people should be kept alive today. So don't fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. He comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. That is the favor of God. As we've tracked the story of Joseph, we've seen that favor fits. Favor stands out. And it's out of proportion favor, isn't it? 
He was just one of the ten, and then he ends up right here in the palace. Friend, if you feel that you're just one of many, I believe that God is calling you by name. He's calling you from where you are into the favor of his presence. He's calling you into something. And it's not because of anything you can do to earn his grace and his favor. It's not because of anything that makes you even more incredible. Although sometimes we like to think it's our accolades and our credits. Yet Jesus and his upside down kingdom means that he has chosen you and he loves you and he's making you stand out. We know some of the situations as a leadership that you're facing. We know some of them because you come forward on our prayer lines. We know some of them because you ring up in the week and we love answering the phone and praying with people. But some of you will have come and you'll have chosen to keep it to yourself. Later, there's a time for you to bring that to Jesus. Because I believe that there is a favor that is turning situations around. Oh, I see you nodding. And I sense that the Spirit of, the God, of God, the Spirit of the Lord is here. And he's pouring out his Spirit upon you so that you can be someone who sets up situations for God to bring his deliverance in. When we wait for God's favor, when we wait for the presence of the Lord, we've sung it already, God leans towards us. The story I want to share with you is around Jonah, but it could be any of us being asked to do something that we first of all want to say no to. Have you ever been there? Has it ever been a bit like, oh God, do I really, really have to? You know, God's so faithful and he's so kind. And yet he also sees who we will be, not just where we think we should sit. He knows so much about you and he loves you. In the summer, we were, re- we were away on holiday. It feels like a long, a long time ago, summer, doesn't it? I remember um, asking God one of the messages that I would bring. <laughs> we were thinking how, how far away summer was. So it was in our summer holiday, and I was just reading the story of Jonah. And I was reading that, and I was thinking, oh, Jonah, you really were a bit of a whinger. That's okay, because I can whinge too. Oh, Jonah, you were so, so disobedient. And yet God turns this all around. On a simple read-through of Jonah, it's a really short story. It's only four chapters. I know I'm going to sideline here. There's some of you who called us up this week and you, or last week and you said, we really, really want to get more intentional about reading the word. Do you mind if we set a WhatsApp group up and pray every day and read the word and follow this certain Bible plan? I was like... God, this is what we've been praying for. <laughs> um, I know um, my parents and uh, Ryan and I have followed, I think it's Murray McChain, and there's actually some copies at the back as well. I've spotted them. Um, they followed this Bible reading plan for like, oh, I don't know how many years, 20 years for you, them for 40, 50 years. It's, oh, there you are. Uh, it's a really good plan to follow, to read through the Bible. So someone phoned me up and I was um, stirring my dinner away. I think it was half five at night. So it's a good time for dinner. It's a good time to like ponder and pray for our church family. WhatsApp comes in. Oh, would you be able to give me a call over the coming days? I'm like, now's a good time. Anna, we'd love to have a group where we read the word together. 
What better thing than to read the word together? And I know you've heard over the past weeks where Lily DeFin and Ryan and Trevor and some of our other preachers have been sharing about reading the word. Keep doing it. Keep reading each day. Some of you are the morning ones, where's our early birds? And some of you are our night owls reading at the other side of the day. It's a, uh, here's the early bird here. So keep reading the word. Keep asking the Lord to shine his light upon the word. So where am I? Back in the summer when it was warm, uh, I was reading Jonah. And I was reading about a man who was under pressure to do what God had asked him. When we read through that story simply, or maybe you've watched a little kiddie movie on it, or you've read it to your children, or you've read it in the kids' Bible, here's a guy who disobeyed God, he got eaten by a whale, partially eaten, and it was just enough for his stomach acid to burn off all of the, the, the whale's stomach acid, to burn off all of his hair. I think they leave that out of the child's Bible. Okay. Um, so he's like a fright to look at. When I studied through, I was like, what was wrong with this guy? Why did they not actually appreciate that he was here to tell the message that God is coming, he's turning, Nineveh, if you repent now? Because he looked different. I know you're laughing. I can't help you. I would do this. The, the acid in that whale's stomach was burning him. And then all of a sudden... In the children's Bible, it looks like he shoots out the spout. But that couldn't have happened. It must have been. <laughs> What's wrong with our Bibles and the pictures? It must have come out because, well, he opened the mouth because it was three days left. He'd been buried in the mouth of the whale, for, in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. And then it was time for him to be released and do what God had asked him. Anyway, I've already told you he's an emotional guy. We read it again at a deeper level. God, God has a divine plan for a city. This city is called Nineveh. A man called Jonah has been called to deliver a place. He's worried about the godlessness. He should be worried. This was a godless city. And he was called by God to go to Nineveh. He took a route Similar, he was starting at Joppa, we call it now Jaffa in Israel, and he was going out towards Tarshish, and he was going out towards Nineveh. He did not want to be doing what God had asked. There was an uproar, there was a storm, throw the things overboard, do this, do this. And then all of a sudden, all of the sailors knew, Jonah, it's you who's causing these problems. So he was the one who eventually went overboard. Have you known that pull in your heart? Maybe like Jonah, but thank goodness none of you have been in Wales, as far as my knowledge tells me. When you've called out to the Lord in distress, and he's answered you, and God has heard your voice. <laughs> you know... Have we sometimes tried to take matters into our own hands and instead of obeying and yielding to the voice of the Lord, we've tried to do it in our own strength. Jonah got thrown overboard and he found that he was the answer. By his obedience, reluctant obedience, a city the size of about 120,000 was saved 
we're right now in a town of about 120,000. And when Ryan was inviting you to come to those nights of uh, nights for Christ, Rise for Christ ministry, what we've noticed over the past 20 years in Dudley, as long as our church is about 23, 24 years old now, what we've noticed is that there's been prayer assignments to walk um, Castle Hill. There's been prayer assignments to walk all of Wolverhampton Street. There's been prayer assignments to worship and pray in the um, town centre. There's been prayer assignments to soak the ground of this town. That's meant that when we've gone into the town, meeting people, do whatever we do, shop, go to the market, meet each other, see one another, we have got spiritual authority. That means that when there's someone passing by, and this is a true story, when a man out of his mind is crying and shouting and causing issue, and it was about the moment a policeman would get called to, to settle things down, our children turned to us and said, can't you make it stop with God? Yes, we did. In Jesus' name, we take all authority over this unclean spirit, and we say, be still in Jesus' name. Know the peace of God. And what happened? There was peace. It looks like you having all spiritual authority to be obedient in the space and time that God has called. Does God have to wake me up each morning and say it's time to do the food shop today? Off you go. I'll be obedient to food. You know me and my great love for all things that are great. We know what God has planned for us in the daytime. So we don't need to be disobedient to those things. But we need to be attentive. And like Jonah... God was turning towards him. God used Jonah to turn a town, to turn a city. God is using you, not just our stories of spiritual authority. This can happen for all of you in whichever place and space you are in. You are in the middle of a situation, in the middle of the mystery, so that you can see families workplaces, whole shopping centers, Costa Coffee shops. We're not um, supported by them, but we do spend some time out in those, don't we? What is it that God is doing in your life that you can be obedient to and say yes? It looks like yielding. It looks like living a surrendered life. That moment of turning, that sounds like favor, doesn't it? You know, when I was looking at the story of Jonah and him being hidden in the whale for three days, I thought about another story, and it's in Matthew 14, and it's Jesus. Jesus is in the boat. He's been ministering for days and days and days, and he hears the voice of his father, and he wants to go and be in a quiet place. So he goes over on the lake, and he takes some time. The disciples come find him. Jesus, where are you? They notice he's over the other side. This story in Matthew 14 is about Peter. It's about Peter's faith. It's about Peter holding out and reaching out to Jesus. But you know, Peter, like us, he loses his gaze for a minute. When Jesus is inviting him to take steps and walk on water, he begins to do so. He's obedient and yet he then realizes, I'm halfway out or my foot is just about. And in that moment, he loses the sight of Jesus. And he must have started to swim. 
What stormy things, what windy waves have been blowing on your life that you need the presence of Jesus, the glorious gaze of his presence to shine into your life, to bring you to a place where you can yield everything. There's parts of us where we've wanted to say no to the Lord, but then we've realized that saying yes meant saying yes to all he'd asked of us. When we sang that song earlier about running, that God is running after us, your goodness is running after us. There's been moments when we must have thought, God, can I really do what you've asked me to do? And yet his goodness is still chasing us down. It's still running after. Friend, if you're in the space this morning thinking, oh God, if only, or I should have, or any other thing around disobedience and yield, I believe there is a moment coming where you can say yes to the Lord and he can have your whole heart. God is leaning towards you. And we can learn from the life of Jesus. There's some things I want to bring to you now, which is around the identity, who you say you are, and what God and who God says you are. And I believe that there's going to be a moment, and I can feel the spirit of, the, of God right now, and for me that can feel a bit shaky, but it's not bad shaky. It feels like there is a manifestation of the spirit of God coming, and that looks like freedom and deliverance. It looks like where we've been stuck, we are getting set free. You know, Jesus knew his identity. He knew without a shadow of a doubt, there was nothing that could separate him from the love of God. Same with us. There was absolutely nothing in the whole of the creation that could stop him from doing all that God had planned. Same with us. In Luke 2, we get to see the birth of Christ revealed. Sorry, that was Luke 1. In Luke 1, we get to see the birth of Christ revealed and spoken about um, to Mary, to angels, to the shepherds, over and over and over. Maybe you don't feel like anybody knows what your message is. God does. Jesus had his identity revealed over and over again. Even the stars were shining, rejoicing at the miraculous birth of our Lord. Maybe you don't feel like you've yet been celebrated. But I feel I can do better than that. I believe <laughs> that God is celebrating you. He wants you to know that your identity is in Christ. And it's a good identity, isn't it? What he has called you to, you will accomplish. In uh, Luke 1, 26, Mary is treasuring those words spoken from an angelic encounter. In Luke 1, 45, she knows she is blessed because she believes. And God will fulfill all that he says he will. Then we see the glory of the Lord shining, shining, shining around. The, and then the, the star directs the shepherds. There is such great and glorious news. And then Mary, when she is 
showing off a beautiful baby who's wrapped in swaddling cloths. The wise men are presenting their gifts and speaking words of truth over that baby Jesus. Those words were from the scrolls of old. Those words sound like Isaiah. When Jesus, when he was a boy and he went into the temple, he was reading the passage of that day. We can read that in Luke 4, and it's a direct quote of Isaiah 61. Unroll the scroll. And I believe there's a prophetic moment for you, friends, this morning, that you may not have had a prophetic word about your life. For Jesus, he knew what was all to happen for his life. Maybe you're unsure of what your calling is, but I believe there is favor for you to know what God is calling you to. So in Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus unrolls the scroll. Let me read this to you. You can read it here or in Isaiah 41, I don't, uh, 61, I don't mind. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on a Sabbath. And he stood to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And what I find so significant is that this verse describes, so many verses would, but the way this is chosen, the way God ordained this, reveals what God can do. Jesus reads, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. So often we can live our lives according to other things, to, am I going to go for a walk today so we can sort our weather app? Am I going to do something else? We, d- we depend so much upon favorable conditions. That is not the favor of the Lord. The favor of the Lord has gone ahead of you to prepare a place for you. John 14, Father has prepared a place for us and there are many rooms. There is a room in heaven that God has prepared and there is a room here today that God has prepared in advance. Jesus knew his identity. Do you know your identity? I'm not talking about your calling, but I'm talking about you knowing that you are a daughter or a son of the Lord God. In Luke 4, when Jesus reads the prophecy of his life, he unrolls the scroll. What have you been reading about your life? You know me, some years ago I was going through some things, maybe eight years ago now, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I wasn't sure where God would put me. Our children had just started school, so it's a good time to work out what am I going to do next? Whose voice are we listening to? Whose voice is the strongest? And could we unroll the scroll of what God is asking for you? So when Jesus unrolled that scroll, when he unrolled um, Isaiah 61, he was able to know this is the message and call and identity 
Friends, if you haven't got an identity in Christ, there'll be a moment just now where you can give your life to the Lord. Or if you're already a Christian and you're wondering, what is it, Lord, that you're asking me to do? There'll be time over the coming months where our prophetic teams can prophesy over you. But today, you too could take Luke 4, Isaiah 61, same exact words. I I double-checked for you. You don't have to worry. You can take that scripture as what God is giving of your identity. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to preach the good news. He's anointed you so that you can see those captive now be free. So that you can see the recovery of sight and you can declare this is the year of the Lord's favor. So first and foremost, it's about us knowing our identity in Christ. And then it's about us stopping and yielding for each person God brings to us. Oh, but Anna, I'm not a pastor. No problem. Oh, but I don't get to see that many people. Really? If you counted, there might be somebody in your path. Oh, so like the lady who walks her dog every single morning that we cross places with. Oh, yeah. God might be bringing you into her life so that you can speak a word of favor. Is it that easy? Yes. (laughs) um, I've told you a lot of things of how we're going to minister. But there's a favor for ministry to one another. Some of you have said, I'd love to pray for the sick and see them well. I'd love to pray and encourage somebody. And then sometimes you've said, but it's really difficult. It's not because we can use scripture to pray. This was one of um, an early message of some of our friends in ministry, Wes and Stacey Campbell. They spoke about praying the word. I've already said the word, reading the word. I've talked to you about preaching the word. And now we're going to look at praying the word. Have you all got access to a Bible somehow? at home, somewhere. If not, we've got some that we can give away to you. Don't you worry. Don't, no one needs to go without. But what I want us to do, I'm going to set the scene. Ryan, you can come up with me if you want. Um, you can bring a microphone. Oh, yeah. We're going to pray number six, aren't we? Yeah. You play on guitar. That's great. Yeah. Um, so when we were learning to pray, we'd use the Bible to help us. Who's done that before? Who's done some praying the word? Thought so. Thought so. So there's some of you that you can really learn how to do this. How do we grow in favor? We grow in favor with God and man. We grow in favor by inviting God into our circumstances. We grow in favor by declaring favor over situations. Ryan's going to sing um, the song called The Blessing, and we'll use that as a focus for our prayers. When we want to pray for somebody to encourage them, when we want to pray about how God is going to um, pour out his blessings, this is a really good place to begin. There's way more places, isn't there, that we could find favor. I've given you some examples, but what I really hope that you've had this morning is a word that's inspired and encouraged you so that you know that you enroll the scroll that God has written for you and you can walk in favor. 
Maybe God's already put favour on your life that stands out and you've wanted to almost take off that coloured coat. Maybe you've said, oh God, it would be easier if I was in a more hidden place. Well, Jonah, he was hidden. He ended up right where God wanted him. And our Jesus who knew everything that was said about him so that he could fulfill the Father's good will. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.